Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the 15th year of the reign of the Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor, governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Licentius, ruler of Babylon, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. We know that COVID-19 dominates the news these days, uh, particularly with this new variant as of late, but there's plenty of other news that we hear as well, and unfortunately, some of it is tragic. For instance, uh, this past week, a gunman opened fire on students and staff at a high school, Oxford High School in Michigan. And four students tragically lost their lives, and also several other people were injured, including a teacher. And the accused has been named as a 15-year-old sophomore who's been in custody and charged as an adult. And of course, this tragedy brought a lot of attention and uh, people making different comments. The governor of Michigan talking about how horrific it was. Uh, President Joe Biden uh, talking about this unimaginable, unimaginable grief. And indeed, it is tragic. And different uh, professional sports teams also expressed their condolences. The captain of the Detroit Red Wings, Dylan Larkin, sends his team's condolences about this unspeakable tragedy that happened. And we know, unfortunately, that in our fallen world, these tragedies do happen quite often. And you may recall one that happened way back in 1995. It was the Oklahoma City bombing. And this involved a truck packed with explosives blowing up outside of a federal government building in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And 168 people tragically lost their lives and hundreds more were injured. And this blast was set off by an anti-government militant named Timothy McVeigh. And indeed, this was a tragic, it was a terrible crime, left a lot of people in much pain much grief, and much attention was placed on how Mr. McVeigh needed to be held accountable for his crime. And it turns out McVeigh was executed by lethal injection, and this was in June 
20, 2001. And around the time of his execution, I recall hearing, it was a documentary on CBC, and it was talking about how capital punishment, uh, despite some people really pushing for it, does not bring closure to those who are grieving. That is, the family and friends of those very close to those who tragically lost their lives. Sometimes we refer to these people as co-victims because they've truly been victimized as well. And their real focus was just, it doesn't bring closure when the uh, perpetrator, the person guilty of this crime is, is actually put to death. And there was some research that came out of the University of Minnesota not too long, long ago that said very much the same thing, that very often people who they're expecting, uh, these co-victims, those who are very close to the victims of crimes are thinking, you know, in terms of capital punishment, when this guilty person is put to death, that somehow justice will be done and it'll bring closure. But in fact, it often leads people with a sense of emptiness and also this just recognition, our loved one is just not coming back. Now, some people, they might support the death penalty because they think it's, this is the only way that these serious offenders can get what they deserve. And justice is done in a way that victims can get the closure so they can get on with their lives. But as I say, there's very little evidence that says this is the case and a lot of evidence to the contrary. Now, hopefully none of us here nor our loved ones will ever have to experience anything tragic like the Oklahoma City bombing or anything like that. But we all face experiences of being victimized by others. We may be insulted. We may be bullied. We may be humiliated. We may be wronged in some way. And we can also be co-victims because our loved ones are also, they get hurt, they get bullied, they get insulted in different ways. And while many in our culture may pr promote this idea of don't get mad, get even, or get some kind of re revenge or some sort of justice in this whole situation, set things right. But of course, we as Catholic Christians, we are called to forgive others. Now, forgiving others doesn't mean that we act as doormats or that we just let people walk all over us. But it does mean that we don't seek to inflict punishment on those who have wronged us. Instead, we are to rely upon the grace of Jesus Christ and imitate and extend his sacred and merciful heart to others. And our gospel reading this evening from Luke gives us some important insights into this, the sharing of the mercy of Christ. And this reading, it begins with Luke giving us a snapshot of the political and religious leadership surrounding the ministry of John the Baptist. Luke mentions the Roman Emperor Tiberius, the governor Pontius Pilate, and other leaders, Herod, Philip, Licentius, as well as these priestly leaders of Annas and Caiaphas. And all of this is Luke indicating to us these real historical events, this real context. He's giving us such a political, such a social and political context from which 
John the Baptist emerged, and of course our Lord emerged. And this is very typical of Luke. He's, he's so uh, in tune with what's going on in the culture. He was trained as a physician, and he was also very well versed in history and so forth. And he brings out all these social and political events surrounding our Lord's ministry. And anybody at that time, particularly in that first century, would, who heard these, these names of Tiberius and Pontius Pilate and Annas and Caiaphas and so forth, they would have known what kind of evil leadership, corrupt leadership, was in power at that particular time. And there was a lot, of, a lot of corruption, both in the Roman leadership as well as in the high priesthood amongst the Jewish rulers. But in the midst of this corruption arises John the Baptist, the son of this righteous priest, Zechariah. And he has the good news that the Messiah is coming and salvation is at hand. So Luke tells us that John goes out into the desert. He goes out into the wilderness and he begins preaching a baptism of repentance and the forgiveness of, tin, of sin. And the Jewish people in John's day were clearly living in difficult situations. I, I recognize, I, I mentioned the corrupt leadership, both in the Roman Empire, the Roman leadership, as well as amongst the Jewish high priesthood. And not only were they dealing with that, they were dealing with their past. As we heard last week, uh, Father John was talking about the prophet Jeremiah and how he was speaking out against the, the, the corruption that was happening and the, the ruling Babylonian empire that exiled the Jewish people, right? Destroyed their temple. It happened some five, 600 years before John the Baptist was preaching. But they knew so much pain, so much agony. So it was not only the difficult situation they were in right now, but also their past and all the different things they had gone through. And much of this had gone, they had gone through because it was the consequences of their rejection of God, right? They rejected God and consequently the Babylonians came in, they destroyed their beloved temple, they exiled the Jewish people, they came back, but eventually they still lived under these difficult situations. But in spite of all of this, the word of God comes to John the Baptist. He goes into that Jordan region proclaiming the forgiveness of sins and the repentance and the need to be baptized. And as a result of this preaching of John the Baptist, Luke tells us that the prophecy of Isaiah several hundred years earlier was actually being fulfilled by John the Baptist at that time. It is John who is the voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So here, Luke is, is actually quoting from chapter 40 of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he's unveiling a whole range of, bib of biblical promises that are found in Isaiah chapter 40, 41, all the way up to about chapter 55. And these promises found in Isaiah include rescuing the poor and the oppressed, the blessing and the forgiving of sins of people. And all this, of course, is ultimately fulfilled in our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So indeed, John's preaching in the wilderness truly prepared the people for the coming of Jesus in the world. 
And the good news of Jesus' forgiveness and his blessing, his rescuing of the oppressed, of course, that applies to us. And as Catholic Christians, we are so graced to experience the Lord's mercy in many ways, but in a particularly profound way in the sacrament of confession. To taste the sweetness of the Lord's mercy is to be born again. We become a new creation through Christ's saving blood, through his mercy. But this does not end with our own experience of the Lord's mercy. For as St. Paul says in his letter to the Colossians, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive others. In other words, we are called to extend the same mercy that God has given to us, we give it to others. And of course, our own mercy is an imperfect reflection of God's own, God's mercy. But nevertheless, Jesus wants us to forgive others for the wrongs that they commit against us. And I stand before you this evening acknowledging that I have held grudges against others. I have not always shared Christ's mercy with others. I know how hard it can be to forgive others. And if we rely solely on our own efforts to forgive others, we cannot do it. So we must rely on the grace of the Holy Spirit in order to follow God's will and forgive others. So let's briefly reflect on ways that we can experience and cultivate this sharing of Christ's mercy. To begin, it's important that we let go and we let God. We trust in him rather than trying to get revenge on others or even try to get even try to forgive others on our own strength. As St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, repay no one evil for evil, but leave it to the wrath of God, the justice of God. In other words, let God take care of all things. Let us also pray for those who have insulted us or harmed us in some way. It's natural for us to be angry and respond to these situations, but let us not dwell on our anger. Praying in front of a crucifix is a very a wonderful way to experience that mercy of Christ. And as we look at Jesus on the cross, we can recognize that he died for the sins of all of us, including those people that seem to annoy us very much. And we shouldn't worry if our anger comes back again. Emotions come and go. But let us keep praying for those who wronged us. Pray for their help, their conversion. Pray that they also will grow closer to the Lord. In the morning, or at any time of the day, we can offer up that day, including our sufferings, our joys, our trials, particularly for those who have hurt us, who have angered us. And when we do this, we truly unite ourselves to the Lord's saving cross. His death on the cross, of course, opened the door to eternal salvation for all of us. And when we offer up our ups and downs, our trials, our sufferings, when we offer those up for others, then we truly participate. We become united in that saving mystery of the cross. We become that presence of Jesus in the world. And the idea of 
offering up our sufferings for others, particularly those who would hurt us. Of course, that's very countercultural. But as you know, we are called to be in this world, but not of this world. And a great way to do this is not to seek to get even with others, but to share Christ's mercy with others. It's clear from this evening's gospel reading that John the Baptist truly prepared the way for Jesus Christ through his courageous preaching, through his passion, through his zeal, his conviction about the coming of Jesus Christ. And during this Holy Advent season, and for the rest of our earthly lives, you and I, we are called to prepare the way for the second coming of the risen Lord Jesus by leading others to his saving truth. And this includes relying on our Lord's grace and sharing his mercy with others. And keeping, in this, keeping this in mind, let us recall those wonderful words from that very prayer he taught us. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiving others as God forgives us. By doing this, we partner in the, with the Lord in his grand mission that rough ways will be made smooth and that all peoples everywhere will see and experience the salvation of God.